Welcome to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest on this episode is Elizabeth, known as Elm Tree, on Twitter. Um, she's a Tigers fan, but a big following with the Cubs fans on Cubs Twitter. And I talked to her about this Addison Russell continuing, I guess debacle is the right way to put it, uh, the free agent market, the... Uh, Cubs and Tigers chances this year, and she finishes with a pretty eloquent, you know, pro-baseball speech that is pretty good. Uh, She's a lawyer in her real life, so this is a very lawyerly argument at the end about the merits of baseball, so I think you'll enjoy it. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome to Holy Cowie Cubs podcast. Glad to have you on. Thank you. All right, so... um, I guess we'll get right into it. The day Cubs fans and, well, basically all baseball fans have really been dreading. But uh, last Friday we've got Addison Russell's press conference upon returning to spring training. And it went about as bad as you pretty much figure it would go. But I just wanted um, your thoughts on it real quick. I mean... It's different for me because, as we've kind of already talked about a little bit, I'm not really a Cubs fan anymore. Um, I was until they signed Aroldis Chapman and have been kind of watching as someone who lives in Chicago and hears about them all the time. And so, to be honest, I wasn't expecting much from that press conference and wasn't surprised at all by what was said. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where it was, you know, it was very rehearsed, obviously. And, you know, uh-huh. the, he, he never took any blame, you know, never accepted any blame for anything he did wrong. And it was just, yeah, yuck. I mean, there was this vague, like, I'll try to get better, but he didn't even, like, address the actual allegations. It it left a, very much to be desired. I think part of the reason that he's not acknowledging it is because, you know, it's not too late for charges to be filed. And I understand that, but at the same time, I think it would go a lot further with the fans, at least portion of the fans, if he would actually just say, I did this in my past and I'm sorry. And he's never said that. Yeah, and it's one of those things like, as as, you, as everyone knows, most of the people know, he denied this very strongly until the suspension came, and then he kind of tacitly acknowledged stuff, you know, in that statement that, I mean, clearly he didn't write that statement, but that statement that came out kind of acknowledged it. But, yeah, he's never really taken blame. And like you said, maybe there's legal considerations, but it's just not a good look. I think even with the legal considerations, he could still make some concessions so that it sounds like it's coming from his heart and not from a team lawyer. Yeah, and that obviously did not happen. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where it's just like, from the start, even keeping him with such, you knew this was going to lead to more, like, you know, and you don't want to, first of all, the abuse is clearly the worst part. I mean, let's get through that right away. 
The abuse is the worst part. But right. but the public relations disaster that signing him you knew it was going to be is playing out exactly how you thought it would play out. And it's like, why didn't you know this was coming? Right. And they they had plenty of warning about this. The allegations first came out over a year ago, I feel like. And, you know, then in the off season when they tendered him that contract, watching people that I have a lot of respect for on Cubs Twitter having to react to that, and it was pretty hurtful to a lot of people. And I think the Cubs are, you know, the organization is forgetting that they have a fan base that's probably almost 50% women. And women spend money and women pay attention to that and it's like they don't care. Yeah, and it's it's a pretty troubling thing to that they would just be so brazen about like every other player that has been suspended for domestic violence this long, like, you know, under these new rules, the team that he played for has let him go, has moved on, traded him, released him. Yeah. This is the first time a player suspended under this has actually stayed with his team. And it's like, I just, that doesn't feel right. I mean, to be fair, Chapman was traded as you know, but then the Yankees signed him again. So they kind of did the right thing and then said, oh, the heck with it. He throws over 100 miles an hour. Let's get him back. And I think when the Cubs first, you know, got Chapman, the stuff with Russell didn't come nearly as much of a surprise, unfortunately. Yeah, and there was a time when um – the Cubs, it was, what was it, like three or four years ago where before Chapman where they were the character counts team that they were going to, they drafted these guys looking into their backgrounds and they weren't going to draft guys with, you know, troubled past or whatever. And it's like, it's just, you look back on it now, it's just amazing. That, like you just almost, you almost laugh, but you want to cry too about how far they've come from that quote unquote quality player thing that they were going for early on. Right. You know, it's, it makes, in hindsight, it makes that feel almost like it was a slip service. Yeah, that, that is how it feels. It's disappointing as a baseball fan. Whether or not you're a Cubs fan, I think it's disappointing as a baseball fan. You know, it's, to use a similar example, it's like when the Astros got Ozuna after the Blue Jays cut ties with them. And that's, you know, you see teams do that and it's like, wow, do any of these teams care about me? Yeah, and that's one of those things, too, where it's hard to, because there's a lot of people I've talked to, um, someone we both know on uh, Twitter, Kelly Wallace, you know, I've been talking to her about this, that she does, she's in the same spot with, as you and might want to ditch being a Cubs fan, but it's like, any team you pick, are they going to be any different? Is the management going to be any better for any of these teams? Exactly. I mean, I am a lifelong Tigers fan, and last year during the offseason, they signed Derek Norris, who had been cut by Tampa after a suspension, and the domestic violence accusations came out 
similar to Melissa Riley's that it was in a blog post and when the Tigers signed him, I was incredibly angry and disappointed and I donated some money to a few domestic violence charities and actually had a friend who is close to the Tigers organization send the texts on the day that Derek Norris was cut and I literally danced around my house because I was so happy. And I, they shouldn't have signed him in the first place, but they did. And I think the Cubs, you know, they made that tender, they tendered him an offer, and he's still here. And he hasn't even served his suspension yet. So it's like, you know, are, are they really, has anything really changed? Yeah, it doesn't, it's like, it's one of those things, you hear um, Theo Epstein did this whole thing about how they talk to experts and they want to give him a second chance, like a, I believe the quote was a conditional second chance, but it was just like, I mean, the guy lied to you for a year straight about this and finally grudgingly admitted it. And now he's given like these press conferences where they don't seem very sincere. It's like, why do you want to get back on the merry-go-round with this guy? I just don't get it as like, just from a team perspective. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out over, you know, the start of the season when he's finishing out the suspension and if they actually bring him onto the roster. Yeah, it is one of those things where it's like, and I mean, and then the other, like the cold calculation, of course, of these, you know, baseball teams. I mean, honestly, I guess they're a bottom line business. We shouldn't be shocked by the fact that they're like this, but you know, you were talking about like a Chapman, he had a hundred mile an hour fastball, but Russell has been a crushing on the field disappointment too. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's, yeah and I understand that it's a business. And I do. I understand that it's a business. We're a capitalist country and they want to make money, but it's like, if you want to make money, then why not give that, 2.4 or 3.4 million, however much it was, to, you know, a decent shortstop second baseman. There's lots out there right now that can be gotten for cheap. In fact, there was um, one that the Tigers just signed the other day, who Cubs fans know well, Josh Harrison. Jordy Mercer. Yep, Jordy oh, Mercer, Josh too. Harrison, I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, we have two, two former pilots. I think we overpaid for Jordy Mercer because... We signed him a little too soon. I don't think we overpaid for his talent. I think he's worth it. But considering that I think we gave him $5 million and we just gave Josh Harrison two. Josh Harrison, who had an off year last year, but $2 million. If he has a healthy year, he's a fantastic ball player. He's a great second baseman. And yet the Cubs are like, now nah, we're going to stick with Russell. Yeah, I, I, I just don't get it. It but, makes no sense. No. But I guess that's just the way we're going to we're gonna have to deal with, I guess. But, yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating when something like that happens, where it's like, why are you locking down this guy who's got all this baggage who nobody like? I mean, it's just, it bugs me. But I guess the Cubs have made their commitment, at least for now, 
and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So now speaking of that, you're talking about um, with Josh Harrison and the contract and stuff. And, you know, Manny Machado did just recently sign with the Padres and got, well, close to market value. You know, you've got all these, the free agent market is just frozen, it seems like. And, like, some people are saying, well, Manny Machado signed, so maybe that's a sign that, you know, the free agent market isn't as bad as they're saying, but... It just seems like it's really bad. I mean, he's one player who, in my opinion, deserves every penny of that $300 million because why should the owners be the only ones getting rich on this? Um, Harper hasn't signed yet, but it's going to be a deal in that same price range. But what about, I mean, Kimbrell is unsigned. Greg Kimbrell, unsigned. What? The Iglesias, a really good shortstop. His bat's a little weak, but a really good shortstop. Unsigned. And I don't think his Dallas title signed anywhere. Nope, he hasn't. You know, it's, it's amazing these players that are out there. I mean, you look at a list, you could field... Two whole teams with really talented guys. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I'm pretty firmly now in the collusion camp. Some people aren't, and, I, and maybe it's oh. not like like set in stone collusion, but it really seems like these teams are working together on this stuff. It really does. Some something's happening. I mean, we saw it last year in the off season, but this year has been just way worse. I mean, spring training technically started, everyone's reported, and Harper's not on a team. I mean, it it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and like, you know, last year there was a lot of talk about, well, teams are saving up to make big runs at Machado and Harper. And like, don't worry, this was just a, a, a fluke year. You know, a lot of older players were getting money, but, you know, they're saving up for these two 26-year-olds, and it's like, this year it happens, and you know, that doesn't seem like teams were saving up for those guys. So I don't know what excuse that yeah. people are going to have this year. but It was interesting, if the reports are true, to see the kind of deals that Machado's been getting, or not deals, but offers that he was getting, like from the White Sox, where it was eight years, like... I forget how much it was, like $250 million for eight years, and then options for the next two years for $35 million a year. And as a Tigers fan whose team has some terrible contracts still on the books, I get it. You don't want to be paying people into their late 30s tens of millions of dollars, but it just... The White Sox don't spend money. It's like pony up to three hundred. Maybe Manny didn't want to go to Chicago, but it's like don't put your, what you say is your best offer in quotes on the table when in reality there's a lot more money out there that you can throw down. Yeah, and that's one of those things too Baseball that. Isn't, yeah, I was gonna say that's one of those things too that no team loses money anymore. Maybe there was a time 20 years ago where teams lost money, but the revenue sharing, nobody loses money now. 
I mean, I, I can't remember his name right now, but the guy who just sold the Marlins to the conglomerate that includes Derek Jeter, he made a fortune on that team. And then they proceeded to do some really strange things. But it's, they're making money. They have money. There are parts where attendance is down, but then there are a lot where attendance is booming, ticket prices are up, concessions, you know, people still buy them, people are buying merchandise. The TV deals are ridiculous. <laughs> Plus, there's some sort of profit sharing thing that I don't entirely understand that teams get money from. And it's like, but you're crying poor? You know, the Tigers have been kind of doing that, too, and it's frustrating to me because I'm like, I know the Illich family has an ungodly amount of money, but they have also been very clear on the fact that they're rebuilding and they're not spending big money. So I get it. The Cubs are right in the middle of, you know, coming off a World Series, coming off the playoffs, and then last year, some people say they made the playoffs because they made the wild card. Some say they didn't. Um, and now they're signing guys, and I'm going, who is that? And they're not handing out money, and they're like, oh, because we just don't have the money. And it's like, wait, you're the Ricketts family. Yeah, they're, they're rolling in. You know, why, aren't, why aren't you going for another World Series, guys? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that's one of the things I never want to hear again. I never want to hear one of these owners say, we don't have the money. You can say we want to keep the profit. Be honest. that You just want to keep the profit. And the thing is, if they're going to be brutally honest about it, don't say we don't have the money. Say we don't want to spend the money. Because if nothing else has been made clear this offseason, it's that the already rich owners don't want to spend their money. That's how it is. Yeah, that's pretty much what it seems like to me. That Yeah, it's like... <laughs> They're, they just don't want to spend it. And and some of these small market teams are cutting like the like the Rays. They seem like this is just a money-making operation. They're cutting their salary down to nothing, so they get the pure profits and the revenue sharing, and then they don't have to worry about it. They're just making pure money. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting with what I said about concessions and everything. I was in Arizona, I forget if it was last year or the year before, they have, like, a value menu on their concessions where you can get a $4 beer and a $2 popcorn and a $2 hot dog, you know, and a $2 soda pop. And it's all really reasonably priced. You can take your kids to the game, not spend a small fortune. And so many of the ballparks don't have that. And... It's interesting because I, I think Atlanta might even have something like that now. And they've shown that teams that do that, their concessions have gone up. Because not only are people buying the stuff off the value menu, then they're like, oh, you know what? I've got a little extra money. Let's buy the kids an extra cotton candy. Yeah, and it's the same concept would work with, like, paying players. You get these big-name players, yeah. exciting players, more people are going to go. They're more exciting. I guarantee you more people are going to go to San Diego Padres this year than they've ever gone in the past 10 years. Well, and it's funny because I was seeing on Twitter a 
heard certain types of people that were saying, oh, San Diego, San Diego is a small market. And in terms of market size, they're like the eighth biggest market out of, well, technically 27 because LA has two, Chicago has two, New York has two, for being, you know, entirely fair. But that's, that's not a small market. That's a huge market. And there are people that live there that have the money to spend, and they now are like, oh, my God, Manny Machado, and their farm system is incredible. So in the next, you know, three, four years, I wouldn't be surprised if their attendance absolutely skyrockets and they start selling it out because people want to see a big name. Yeah, it's why I don't understand why the White Sox went so low on their offer. And then I read today, they're not even going to offer Bryce Harper a contract. And it's like, this is your chance, no. White Sox. Come on. I'll be honest, though. I do wonder if Bryce has a list of teams that aren't close enough to contending that he won't go to. I have zero evidence to back that up. But the fact that the White Sox are more likely than not not going to make him an offer says to me that there's a reason. And his agent may have said, don't bother. He's not coming there. You're not going to win. And that would make sense. But, yeah, it's one of the things that I think. kind of unfortunate. But yes, it is. But, yeah, no, it's one of the I things. I'm just spitballing on that one. Well, you never know. I mean, that's all we've done this whole winter is spitball on Bryce Harper. So you wouldn't be the first. It will be interesting to see what happens with Mike Trout, to be honest. Yeah, you wonder about, there are always the rumors about him loving Philadelphia. I mean, like the Eagles, and he's from New Jersey, and that's always, maybe that's why the Phillies are, maybe they aren't going to sign Harper to save up for Trout. I don't know. Could be. You know, I just think about players like that who have this outstanding talent. I mean, Trout is the best player in baseball. And I think he's just been, in my opinion, and I just think he's been on a team that, you know, things haven't been going quite the way he would probably hope. He's also a guy who doesn't like the limelight, and I think that's the opposite of Bryce Harper. Yeah, he might, yeah, you could see him. He doesn't seem like he's much for, other than that weird weatherman stuff they do, which I... Yeah. (laughs) That's how you market the best player, I, I guess. Some of them are just shy. Well, I, I'll, I'll ask you one quick question about the on-the-field Cubs. Um, since you're you're not an actual Cubs fan, you're outsider's perspective. You know, there's these right. these uh, projections like they're only going to win 79 games or something, and people are kind of freaking out. But from the outside perspective, what do you think of the Cubs going into the season? To be honest, I am not a huge fan of, I think it's pronounced Pecota, P-E-C-O-T-A. I don't like those predictions, um, mainly because lately they haven't been great for the Tigers. But I think their prediction that the Cubs are going to be a 79-win team, I think that's low. 
I think is a little unwarranted. But I also think that depending on the bullpen that they've made and how the starting pitching works out, you know, does Lester stay healthy? Does, and I can't even remember who else. You know, what happens with Quintana? Is he going to have a good year? Those guys have a good year. Lots in your bullpen's okay. You've got the hitters. You know, you've got Schwarber, you've got Bryant, you've got Rizzo, you've got Hayward. But I think for them to be not fourth or fifth, I think they're going to have to get angry at people predicting that they're going to be better. I'm sorry, predicting that they're going to be worse or be worse and have to play with a little fire in their belly. Yeah, that that was a big mm-hmm. yeah that was a a big problem last year, especially down the stretch. Mm-hmm. They seemed to not have that killer instinct. Well, and it didn't help. I'm not usually someone who bitches about the schedule. Excuse me, complains about the schedule. But the Cubs drew a really short stick with so many games in a row with rain makeups and no days off and just tough travel schedules that I get it. These guys get tired. People think, oh, they're only out there for, you know, three to four hours playing a game. That's not all they're doing. They're flying all over the country. They aren't seeing their families. They aren't seeing their friends. They're with the same 25 guys, 24 other guys every day, and their coaches, and that gets exhausting. And so they have to they have to get that fire in their bellies. I think Wilson Contreras can be a big help with that. He's pretty spirited. Yeah, it's one of those things too, where it's like, like you were saying, like, like people are like, oh yeah, that's, they just play baseball. It's not that hard. I'm like, you try flying around the country that often and see how tired you feel. Well, and try and play baseball. This isn't your work softball team, guys. Because it's usually guys. This is, you're supposed to be the best. And if you're not, the fans are really hard on you. And you're probably really hard on yourself. Nobody wants to go out there and hit below 200. Nobody wants to go out there and miss a you know, simple routine grounder to second. But they're human. But I think with teams like the Cubs, who there have been a lot of questions about the moves the organization not made, to be honest, and the predictions about how their season's going to go, they're going to have to get that fire in their belly. Yep, and I hope you're right. Um, I'm going to end this, though, talking about your team, the Detroit Tigers. and The Detroit Tigers. Yes. I was going to ask you, what do you think about them this year? You feel good? Do you think the rebuild's going well? Uh, to be honest, I do. It's last year, after an absolutely horrendous 2017, I decided last year that my goal was to be excited about the good plays to be excited about the fun games that they won and not focus on the standings, not 
focused on the losses, not focused on the injuries, and just enjoy watching baseball. And based on some trades that we've made, including with the Cubs, you know, Candelario, thank you, our everyday third baseman, he's outstanding. Isaac Freitas, who's predicted to have a pretty decent year, probably going to make it up to the bigs. And Miguel Cabrera, our $30 million a year star, healthy. I mean, I'm going to celebrate the good things. I'm not going to focus on what everyone else says and when people say, oh, they're terrible. So my favorite Tiger right now is Nico Goodrum. Um, he was caught by the Twins, and we picked him up, and he was pretty amazing last year. He was turning into a super utility player and kind of a good guy. in his new city of Detroit, and he took an off day and delivered a bunch of water to Flint. Yeah. And I think... Yeah, he's, he's a neat kid. And I think Tiger fans and fans of any team that are in a rebuilding, ours is going well in my opinion. Some fans might not feel the same, or my team fans might not feel the same. I think you just have to have hope and remember why you love this sport. And celebrate the good stuff. Which I actually now, feel every is... team's going to be good again. Yeah, I actually feel that's good every advice. Team, yeah, yeah, I actually feel that's good advice for Cubs fans. You know, like, there's going to be a lot of yuck, yuck stuff this year. But look at, like, at Baez or, or Contreras or something. Like, look for the good stuff and try to ignore the horrible Javier stuff. Javier Baez, Javier Baez is one of the most fun players in baseball to watch. Is he the best second baseman shortstop in the league? No. Is he the best hitter in the league? No. Is he so fun to watch? His excitement, his love of the game, his you know his love for his teammates. There was one play when he slid into home, popped right back up, and fans just went wild. And I think you have to appreciate that stuff. You know, you have to appreciate games like, I don't remember who the Cubs were playing, but I was actually listening, and Jason Hayward hit the Super Slam. Yeah, it was against the Phillies. And I was listening on the radio, and I even went nuts. I was like, are you kidding me? Because those are so rare. And those moments are so exciting. And I know we get really invested in so the money stuff and the players we didn't sign, players we did sign and now we're saddled with this contract. We get focused on that. But we have to go back, remember, if you've loved it since you were a little kid or if you've just started doing it and people would call you a bandwagon fan. Remember why you love this sport. You don't love it just because your team won a World Series. You love it because it's baseball. 
Yep. This is in summer. Well, I think this is like pretty close to um, a mic drop moment on the podcast. That was perfect, perfect final <laughs> statement. So. I don't, yeah. want to, I don't want to mess this. <laughs> yes, I don't want to mess this up. Then, so I think thank you for coming on. This is really fun, and I hope you come back on sometime in the future. Absolutely, this has been great. All right, thanks. As always, you can follow me at sth85 on Twitter. Elizabeth is at Elm Tree E L M Tree on Twitter. Uh, you can follow, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just look for Holy Cow Cubs Podcast. And we should have another episode very soon. And until then, thank you for listening as always. <laughs> <laughs>